You are listening to the Evolution Exchange Nordics podcast, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful technical leaders in the Nordics region. I'm Gemma, I help connect business with tech talent and today I'm your host. Today I'm joined with Oscar, Hans, Elizabeth and Maria to talk about how you can improve as a leader. As usual, we'll start off by giving everybody a bit of an introduction. Oscar, can you go first? Absolutely. So uh, I'm Oscar. I work as a senior engineer manager at a company called Mouthwater. We do media monitoring and uh, tools around that. I used to be an engineer back in the day, but I transitioned uh, into more leadership type positions six, eight years ago, and I've currently managed two teams here at Meltwater. Um, when I don't do that, I do a lot of outdoorsy stuff, live in my van sometimes, and play extremely nerdy games uh, with miniatures. That, that's everything you need to know about me. Perfect. And Hans, would you like to go next? Sure. Uh, my name is Hans Anström, and I'm the CTO of a company called Breed Ventures. Uh, it's a very small company. We, we help uh, startups and corporations succeed and uh, make sure that they can uh, be more productive and launch ventures a lot quicker than they do today. And uh, my role there as a CTO is basically doing a bit of everything, turning on the light in the morning and then uh, making sure that uh, everyone is aligned on the cloud strategies and whatnot. Um, when I'm not doing these things, uh, sometimes lecture uh, and uh, I do a lot of uh, sports and uh, CrossFit. Uh, that's basically me. Perfect. Elizabeth? Yes. Hello, my name is Elizabeth Trisberg and I work at uh, Volvo Cars. Uh, and what we do, we provide a freedom to move in a personal, sustainable and a safe way. I, and I've been working for Volvo Cars for 12 years where I am an engineer manager and I manage uh, eight teams right now. So it's, uh, yeah, still very much <laughs> to do. Um, besides that, I live in the farm and I uh, have a lots of animals. Uh, I describe myself as a 10 year old with too much money buying animals. So that's a little bit how I get energy in the days. Yeah. Perfect. And then last but by no means least, Maria. Hi, uh, my name is Maria Ofchunikova. Um, I work as a um, lead product manager for Corti. I have a background in physics and business, and I guess in my free time, uh, I'm, I'm a sports junkie who likes to go out and be very adventurous, break things, and spend time with my cat and dog. Perfect. Thank you for those introductions. Um, they were very good. So what we'll do next is we will go around and start on our questions revolving around our topic. So Maria, I think you're up first. Um, could you tell us what your question is and then we'll go around the room. Everybody can give their opinions if it's ever affected them and how we can overcome it and move forward and make ourselves better leaders. Yes. Um... So, as I mentioned, uh, I work today as a, as a product manager and um, in a typical setup, it's uh, a product manager role usually doesn't have a direct uh, leadership influence on, on, on the team. So, 
sometimes you find yourself in a in a position where you need to drive and execute upon the strategy. You need to get that value, capture uh, everything that the management expects of you, but also in this setup um, to keep your team happy and motivated. Um, it is proven, as you might already know, that motivated teams are drive much better and efficient results when it comes to developing and working within um, projects, but also within product. So my question is, what strategies do you use uh, to motivate your team? Mm -hmm. I can start. Uh, I mean, for me, it's very important to involve, you know, the team to get uh, engaged people involved early on uh, so they understand what you know what is the strategy and the why because if they understand the why and feel involved that it's something they have discussed or have opinions to then you create that you know magic ownership so try to get as much involvement and how you do that could be forms providing feedback strategy days uh, it could be uh, uh, what do you call hackathons you know something to try something new um, so that's, you know, that's trying to find the different formats of how to engage and, you know, and keep that all the time because it's easy to just do that a little bit too seldom. Um, I actually have this, I, I have a book that I read that's really, really good. That's called Together, uh, written by Jenny Jepson and Ole Jepson on this strategy, really how you create good teams that's really good with full of stories and frameworks and, you know, tips and tricks. But really facilitate and make sure that teams really get close, uh, close to the strategies uh, uh, and understanding. So keep keep them close to it. I I also think that you know, uh, get, getting to a point where teams understand how the work that they do matter mm. will, in in my sort of experience, that that is always very important. So that. You don't you're not just building stuff you're building stuff that helps people or you know achieves something or that the work that you do actually matter for a user a customer the company something it's it's a classic sort of purpose in autonomy mastery purpose if you're going to talk sort of that model um i also think i i normally ask my team like what what, what is motivating for you how like how 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 do you take some yeah. It's different, uh, you know. I, I've had teams that just tell us what to do, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Whereas feed others, me, uh, oh, we want, yeah, exactly, and and they're perfectly happy with that, and that's very motivating to you know complete things and ship things or whatever. And other teams just really needs to understand, you know, understand the customer and and so on. Would you say it's it, this kind of mindset then Oscar differs across uh, different type of generations or different type of personnel like introvert, extrovert, or I don't know um, if we look at different type of nationalities or age? Uh, yes, I think it differs, but I also think that, I mean, in, in modern day, you know, engineering teams, if you talk that, we you also want to keep a certain amount of diversity. So I find that we have different ages, genders, cultural backgrounds, everything. And I think someone someone told me at once, like teams are immutable. So as soon as you add or remove something, it's a new team and you need to find out how the new unit works uh, because the dynamics change and so on. So I, I, I have no good answer for your 
question, but I, I do think it differs for between a lot of these things that you said, right? Age, a lot of culture, a lot of these things. But I also think that you kind of, you know, when you, when you add these different components to a team, that will also, you know, create something new. And I think it's your sort of job as a manager or as a leader to understand what that is to see how you can get most out of your team or motivate them, right? Sorry, back to you. So I guess it's almost like fine-tuning a strategy to reflect what your team needs. Um, and this is how you would say you actually drive that strategy to keep them motivated through the process. Yeah, I, as with anything like modern software development, I think agility is key because you won't get it right straight away. So you you will have to, you know, inspect and adapt over time and change. But I, I think you need to start somewhere and then get the feedback from the team. Like, do you, do you feel motivated? We'll, we'll come back to that when, when we talk about measuring things. Um, and, and then you find things that work and things that don't work and you do more of the things that works really well and less of the things that perhaps doesn't work. But as long as you keep improving, I think you'll get there, you know, over time. Just, just some random thoughts. Hans, what do you think? Yeah, so I mean, one thing is, uh, or a lot of it have already been said, uh, but I do really agree with this, that you have to sort of start with what the team you have and the dynamics of the team team you have and uh, buying into uh, or get the buy-in from your team takes time. And you can't really start with, with uh, all these complex things. You have to get to know people first and you have to start small. And uh, that's really important to keep in mind. It's easy to, uh, to take... Um, to have this willingness as a leader to be very ambitious and sort of, oh, I want to create this buy-in. I want to really everyone to, to have a say. Uh, but before, before you get uh, people to have a buy-in, before you get people to actually voice their opinion and all of this, uh, it's important, important to, uh, to create a win. So it, I would sometimes take um, the ideas of, uh, of uh, software development into the leadership world, meaning that you can do it incrementally. You can start small uh, and you can make sure that once you get a win, once you get something up and working, that you that you use these lessons, even if it fails, where you just sit down and discuss what went wrong, why, what can we do better, who wants to do this next, and then also trying to shuffle people into uh, or out of their comfort zones uh, and um, making sure that it's not just going to be the most sort of talkative person who takes over the team or is like going to be the tech lead or whatever, but it should be the the person most qualified, and it's. That's also very, very difficult because it easily becomes a habit if you if you're a, if you're a leader, um, especially in a, this day and age when you have so many teams and a lot of stress, that that you want them to self-organize at any cost. And also, you maybe have it's been read in a book, and this is a great idea to do, and then you just ask ask them to do that. And what happens is these structures that are might be set by uh, sort of things they've learned in the past. And they just fall back into these roles, mm. and that might not be the best. So, it's it's very very important, I think, to to also stay active in this process and not just monitor, but all actively. Oh, why did you say that? What's your is this really sort of value you believe in? And um, be 
you know, very active in the first forming phase of a, of a new taking over a new team, I think. Anybody got anything, you know, to respond to that or to move forward? No. Maria, any final points? No, I think it's good. Perfect. Lovely. Well, we're going to come back to you, Hans, um, for your question. So would you like to introduce it and see where we can help you? Yeah, uh, right. Uh, so my question is, uh, how do you properly delegate responsibility? And without falling into the, to the trap of micromanagement, but yet retaining re responsibility and the ownership of whatever you delegate so that you, you uh, will be the person where the buck stops, so to say. I have no idea if I do it properly, but I can just <laughs> say how I do it. Uh, for me, it's very you know important when I delegate something that you know the person is really it's something the person is really interested in, and you know it has uh, something to win by doing this this task that I would like to delegate. So of course, it's you know I would like to first talk to the person. Is it something that would be fun to do? Uh, and as soon as if that is a yes, uh, I will make sure that. Uh, you know, have the network that I have, you know, make sure that the network is now this person so they get all the they get all the help that could possibly need it. And to not micromanage, I would just like maybe to be in a reference group that could be, you know, someone that could, you know, guide and coach uh, the the person that's delegated having having the task on themselves. So you could just, you know, be part of the journey, but not lead it. Uh, so instead of having some report out, just being part and involved in this, uh, but by not, you know, taking benefits or leading, you know, leaving all the 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 gains for the for the person you delegated to, and then I just lean back on trust, you know, trust that the person actually can do this, you know, and not feeling scared if if the person fail, well that happens, you know, and then you know we do it together. So I would not. That's a little bit how I work, you know, making sure the person is engaged and then make sure that they have the tools and network and support and I will be in the support and then we just go with trust. Just to stay with you, yeah. Elizabeth, um, yeah. you have how many teams did you say? Uh, OK, I'm a bad example here and it's <laughs> going to come a lot of engineer management. Currently, I, uh, I have eight teams, so I'm kind of, you know, more of a. So, I don't think it's a bad example. I think it's a great one. Like you must have to delegate things. I, yep. There's no way you could handle everything. So exactly. Is it something you found the more teams you had, the easier it got? Yeah, I mean, it's very uncomfortable for me because it, of course, makes me having less control. But I see the people in the teams grow like much. <laughs> I'm not going to swear, but they grow really much. So but having uh, having good people around you and making sure that they can handle all the complex things that I can't handle, you know, so it's yes, I, I've been practicing delegating and the trust level a lot and being very uncomfortable myself because I cannot be on top of everything. But I've learned also nothing bad happens with it. Really, I need it just makes me a very transparent leader because I cannot be on top of everything, which makes me a uh, very transparent how I feel and that makes them even more safer. So yes, it's been a good it's been a good spiral in that sense. Perfect. Thank you for that. And then Oscar, you have two teams. So is it I similar? Do. Uh it is in a sense that I, I I always put a lot of trust on my teams. Uh, and with that comes 
I mean, I trust you to do this thing and I will support you while doing that thing. Uh, but also, I, I think it, now it sounds a little bit harsh, but I also think it's about setting clear expectations so that they know what to, what I expect from them. Because mm. I, unless, unless I do that, it's sometimes very hard for, for some, you know, for someone to just take that up. Then there, there, ha there has to be a certain amount of accountability as well, as in, and I don't want to talk about accountability as in, oh, you did not complete this or, you know, you failed. It's more like, you know, uh, accountability as in, it feels like you're not really up to this thing. Do you need more help? Right. So there is a mechanism for me to support the, uh, and check check in or to like, I, I like what Elizabeth said about following along and coaching, because I, I think that that way you can support whoever you delegate something to, to but also making sure that you can help them in the best way so that they succeed with what they uh, with what they do. Then I have a bit of a spin. So there's this mechanism or technique called delegation poker. If anyone has ever done that, it's a Jurgen Apollo thingy that I've used with my teams a lot. Um, so it's essentially an exercise where you, you set delegation levels between I as a manager decide or the team decides and don't even have to tell me. And then there are various great like versions of that in between. Uh, so I try to do that with some of my teams because that will set sort of a framework on here are the type of things that, you know, I need to be involved in, or here are the things that I don't even, you don't even need to talk to me about this, just do it. And I think that is a very good exercise to sort of handle implicit delegation because then, you know, the team will be empowered to do certain things themselves and they can, you know, because we've done the exercise together, they know, yeah, I can just go and do this or here. I actually need some input from someone. So I think that's a, it's a, it's a very good exercise to do with your teams because it's, it makes it easier for both you and them <laughs> to be honest. That sounds great. Maria, you have one team. So is this something you're coming across finding to, you're doing more regularly? I mean, I, yeah, so my team is is a mix of of very different. It, it's a cross functional team, so it's a mix of different skills. So when you do delegate and which as a product manager, you that's all you do. You kind of translate your thoughts and ideas about specific problems. Um, you translate them into solutions together with the team. So a lot of the the process that I go through with the team is translating some of the thoughts into executionable uh, functionalities within products. And the way I found the best way to do it is, or the framework that I, I wouldn't call it even a framework, the setup that I use is um, somebody once told me that the people you work with and the people you lead uh, operate within the content that you create for them. So the boundaries that you set up for specific problems and specific solutions that you're looking for. So what I tend to do with my teams is create the right environment. And when I say environment, the, the right setup of the problem that we're trying to tackle, provide the information that they need to know and provide the right architectural setup uh, of what are the limits of our solutions. So for example, 
uh, if we're developing a functionality of a red button or a functionality of a feature in particular, it's very important to set up the boundaries of the time, the boundaries of the scope, the boundaries of um, the cost. So creating this setup, the team usually know, or my people, they usually feel comfortable that they know what the limits are, where they can deviate, where they're really reluctant. And um, yeah, I found out having a clear expectations of what the setup is and letting people be as creative as they need to be within those boundaries is what uh, makes me step out from the process and feel comfortable that they will execute because we do have this clear uh, overview altogether about what is it that we need to achieve. Sounds wonderful. I mean, it's really that's really hard work to create those boundaries and, and, and but it creates wonders for the team. So it's yeah. Yeah, it, I, there. I mean, I went <laughs> this is not my first team. I think this is one of the biggest teams that I lead currently. I've mm. worked previously with three people or uh, I don't know, eight people, different type of tips and different type of um, skill set. So um, I both tried kind of just forcing down. This is what we're building. Uh, <laughs> this is the design. Um, go for it, like develop it and tell me how much time you will spend. And I tried the kind of the more creative approach as well. So it has pros and cons. Mm -hmm. But what I found the, the second approach, the approach where you set up the boundaries and let it go is the one that um, liberated me as a as a product manager to step out and focus on on, on the other thing, the big picture stuff. Mm. Um, and I felt very comfortable that maybe the people, they don't know how to do it, but at least they know where they can operate so they can find the solutions that they need to find. Yeah, yeah. it's a, all about providing context, right? And then setting those clear expectations on here is the problem that we're solving. Right. Yeah, and, and I think around it. I think maybe that's the difficult skill that you need to have as a as a good let's let's call it leader is um, is to figure out what those boundaries are. Mm. Hans, what do you think? I know it's your question, but is this answered it? Is there anything you want to add? Yeah, I think we could talk about this for hours, I think, but uh, I think it's uh, really, really good uh, thoughts on the subject. So I'm very happy with, uh, with the questions or uh, answers to the question. I'm glad. Um, and then I can't remember if I said before for Elizabeth or Oscar to go next, but I'm going to go Elizabeth, for Elizabeth. It was me, it was me. <laughs> go on, you can take that. Go for it. Cool. Uh, no, I mean, on the matter of how to improve as a leader. I, I was just curious, how do you know that you are improving as a leader? Have you, you know, yeah, exactly. What, when do I know that? Um, so have any one of you thought of, about that? Because you, you know, you feel it, you know, sometimes you feel, but you know, how do you put date on it? Uh, it's everybody kind of cringed up <laughs> when you ask yeah, the question exactly. because it's very hard to, very hard to, to answer. Yeah. Um, yeah, you, you get a feel for it, I think. But 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 so so for me, so we do like ENPS surveys yeah. on a regular yeah. basis uh, in the company, which has, you know, uh, it does not necessarily help me directly as a leader, but it also gives me some sort of idea how happy people are working in 
well, their environment. Now, yeah. it used to be an office. Now, it's sort of a hybrid world. Um, but it but it definitely tells me something about how how happy people are at work. And then, you know, when when something like that drops, it you know, it's never only me. It could be the office environment itself. It could be you know. I'm burned out by the pandemic or mm. anything really. Mm. So you have to sort of poke into what are the things that, you know, that makes up this score. And is there something that I, that I do or that I contribute towards? Uh, but I, I sort of use that as a North star metric in a sense for myself, because I, you know, if I'm doing a good of enough job, people will be happy at work and they will, f- you know, feel motivated and so on. So it's sort of a proximetric for, for me at least. But then I also think like asking your team for yeah. feedback yeah. is you might not get the your seven out of ten, but you might get the here are some things that you can improve or here are some things that you know I'm very happy with. That will also give you a lot of input on how you are doing, how like you know uh, things that you can improve and once you improve those things you'll have to assume that you also <laughs> improved as a leader mm. i think mm. um, yeah it's, it's a tough one any other ideas i guess the way i see um or the, the way we can we, we can look at it at two different perspectives right so how do i <laughs> How do I measure if I'm a better leader yesterday versus today versus how do I perceive myself uh, or how am I perceived as a leader? And I think it's important to highlight that like your personal development as a leader has two sides. One, your side, the what you believe about yourself and your skill set and the one that you um, you project and everybody else perceives. So if we look at the internal image, uh, it's very much about measuring, uh, setting up your own expectations about where you want to go. If it is, uh, I don't know, getting the title and this is what you believe that makes you a better leader, then go for this. But it's all about building that perception, that internal perception internally saying, you know, this is the milestones that I want to reach myself whether or not it's working on your stakeholder management skills or, I don't know, delegation skills. Um, You can set up those yourself. And this is what kind of I would use, for example, to reflect myself, regardless of the organization that I'm in, how I see myself, if I believe that I'm the right person for the job. And then there is the second part, the part that is how everybody else sees me, the environment that you're in. And those sometimes you will, like, I find myself, they're sometimes very opposite. Mm-hmm. So I feel great, my team hates me, or the other way around. My team mm-hmm. loves me and I feel like I'm struggling. So it, it's it's the external phase. And of course, in those type of metrics, this is what the companies typically find very easy to measure. So you can collect ENPS scores, you can do the feedback sessions um, and you can like reflect within the organization or within the setup that you're in what, where within that um, leadership ladder, let's call it, you are in and where you placed yourself. So I think there is, it's quite important to do the reference. To separate, yeah. Yeah, yeah, to separate these two um, sides because they can 
I mean, if they work in cohesion, if they're if they're matching, that's great. But then whatever you perceive is uh, in 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 sync with what you project. But sometimes you will find yourself in that unbalanced situation, which I've, I tend to find myself quite often. And this is where mm -hmm. I see kind of my opportunities for development saying, oh, you know, I feel like um, I'm doing excellent today, but my team is actually really unhappy. Oh, well, there is something odd here. There, This is the area that I would like to go and investigate or look into. Yep. Um, and this is kind of, at least personally, this is where I find that this is areas that I can work on for sure. What I, what I also has is, you know, that I'm trying to measure the retention rates. You know, I've been working for 12 years now in Volvo. I had to have two people leaving my team so far in these 12 years. You know, I've been jumping, but no one left my team. <laughs> so, uh, so it's also, you know, how happy are people in my environment? And I also try to, um, I can put, you know, development plans or I can see how many people is actually growing and, you know, growing as the development plans and you know so that's also something I try to measure just to keep myself really I like to go after my own you know my own goals so I make team goals like that you know that I would like at least two people in my team to you know reach something on their development plans or you know get another role or seniority or promotion so mm -hmm. I put an effort in others people's growth and then I, I also had a, a as a personal as a leader, you know, I don't want to have anyone have stress. I don't want anyone be burnt out under my care. And that has not happened for 12 years either. Uh, so it's just to make a little bit small, something that I, I care very personally about. That's going to happen sometimes anyway. But to have that as a personal goal and making me a little bit, of course, I get better. If I had that goal for 12 years, I better be uh, learning something on these years. Mm. Hans, do you have any anything on the back of that? Yeah, I mean, one thing that that's, that I struggle with uh, that I find is like one day you wake up and yeah, I'm doing so good. The team is really good and uh, everything is going so well. And the next day you wake up and like, hmm, maybe there are things that I should improve on. And maybe we're not, we should be more efficient. Maybe, you know, I should be sort of more of a role model for the, for the team. And you this imbalances and it's all a matter of perspective and how you look at things because as a leader you always see sort of the chaos behind the reality um, and part of being a leader is to be able to compartmentalize these this chaos and yeah it's it's, it's a bit chaotic there are like 500 things to do always mm. and what what do you uh, what do you sort of take on as the most uh, important thing mm. and one other thing that's really easy to to fall for is um when I was uh, in a former job of mine, I got the highest rating of any leader uh, that I'd had so far. And first of all, ah, that's awesome. And it's been doing really good. But I also started to think about why is that? And that's because at that time I was taking all the tough parts and doing that myself. And is that really good? No, it isn't. So yeah. in, sometimes it's when you go through a thing and you see the ENPS go down, as long as you know why, even if, you, if you're going through a really... Like, I know, you know the team is in a transformation phase. Maybe you know, like, you're in a tough project. Maybe everyone is struggling to to do that. Maybe the company is going through a tough phase. It could be whatever. Mm. Yeah. As long as you know that, you have to accept that sometimes the ENPs go down because if you just focus on, a, on an arbitrary thing, like a measurement like that, 
it can be really yeah. dangerous. You have to know what you measure yeah. and why you measure it. But as long as you do that, I think it's fine to um, to look at the big picture and see your role in it. Uh, and it, it's really hard because you always want to want to have the sensation that you improve over time. But it's also when you improve and focus on one area, maybe you lack in another area. And yeah. accepting that and without being too yeah. hard on yourself is important too, I think. So uh, now you're sort of in a startup. Uh, so, so something I found helped me a lot is I, I have the fortunate situation where I have a bunch of other managers and leaders around me that I can sort of build a little community and I can reach out to any of them and say, hey, I have this thing. I, I just feel it doesn't work. Do you think that I'm doing the right things or that I should you know, do this or that? And then you can sort of get someone else's eyes on you know, to sort of reality. No, I actually think that you're doing all the right things. It's, you know, something like you, you could get someone else's view on how I am doing and not like my manager or whatever, like a peer or a colleague mm. to just um, toss some ideas around with. And that, that's actually helped me a lot as in, and someone pointed out, oh, no, you actually do this thing really well, but you could probably improve here. And I'm like, well, great. I, you know, that, I'll, I'll take that. Um, yeah. Something that we did in my formal job, um, we did, um, we followed very closely the McKenzie uh, 360 review. And what that provides is is a f literally 360. Um, so everybody you worked with provides feedback once or twice a year about your interaction yep. with them, but also your skill set and um, anything when it comes to working within within that context. So it's it's it was not only your direct leadership that provides the feedback, uh, but also your peers and people that report to you. So it's uh, it's a full coverage. And what I found. What I really liked about this process was the fact that it was a coherent opinion <laughs> about uh, where you could potentially develop the areas that you're really good at and the areas that you can improve of. And it was not one person's opinion about what they believe about you, but it was a like a reflective overview about you as a person. In your position in that organization and i think this particular setup um gives a really good understanding of of where you could potentially develop and how you can measure that as well i think that's really good uh elizabeth back to you before we move on to oscar's question no, no, I think I think it was really good uh, discussions there. So thank you everyone for sharing. Perfect, lovely. Um, I feel like we could have spoken about that for ages. I think there's so many different avenues on self-improvement. Um, oh yeah, for sure. As somebody who is not a leader and is just part of a team, I'd say just ask people if they're happy. Um, you directly ask them, make time for them. People tend to respect you a lot more. And when something goes wrong, as long as you don't blame it on them, they're quite happy with you. Um, but moving on, Oscar, introduce us to your question. Yes. All right. So we've talked a lot about, you know, improving as leaders. Um, sometimes what I've struggled with is to find time for yourself to do that thing. 
As in, you're constantly helping others, you're making sure that your team works, that we deliver, that people are happy, all of these things are really good. But then like, how do you find the time to, to, you know, for personal growth and, and development yourself? So I'm, I'm looking for your top three hacks on how to, how to, how to get more time for your, for your own personal development so that you can, you know, uh, develop as a leader. Cool. Uh, I'm jumping, starting. I am a fast starter here. I like this question a lot, Oscar. I think the key here is, is to make it fun for you, uh, to make fun uh, things so, so you actually set the time aside. And what I really like to do is uh, I invest time in, in, in learning, you know, coaching, you know, training on coaching because you think, you oh, I know how to coach, but when you sit there and practice it with peers, there is a lot of tweaking and you can get a really much better at it. So uh, we have started a coaching dojo in, in Volvo Cars where we just meet and just practice different scenarios with each other. And it has cool. a yeah, really fun environment and it's really nice to meet peers uh, in a, you know, where we just train. Just like you train your body, you need to train coaching and not just do it in a game all the time, right? Uh, and one thing I also like just is, you know, arranging book circles, you know, invest in, in a book that you think you or someone that someone could recommend and just discuss that book. It could just be for half an hour and it could be quick small meetings where you have a really fun network with, you know, with other leaders. I like that has given me a lot of a uh, uh, lot of uh, learnings and fun, you know, a little bit breathe, breathing space in the work environment where it's ever is stressful, right? And then I, I, you know, I usually also, also try to shadow, you know, a leader that inspires me. You know, I try to shadow a person, just go beside them two half days or whatever time I could, you know, find with a person. So that's my three, you know, that I, that those has been so fun, so I don't miss out on them at least. So. Hmm? It's uh, I, I actually sat down and wrote some answers to my own question. Mm. And so my number one was like start a community or build mm. a community around you and two book clubs. So, so, see, uh, see. <laughs> there you go. We're, we're aligned. Yeah, cool. Hans, what do you think? Yeah, so uh, I just took the personally just took the step of uh, plunging into chaos when I went from uh, being an engineering, engineering manager. Uh, to a CDO uh, where I just sort of do everything uh, and it's uh, I have far less time to do these things at the minute uh, and I don't have peers to work with in the same way uh, which I think is really makes this really really difficult to do in any efficient manner mm. used to be where it, um, a lot easier because you had a, uh, had a team where you could sit down with and you could uh, toss these ideas around and you, you had like lunch time with, with others and were a lot of these informal settings that you could use. Uh, so what I do now is I try to um, to spend the time uh, when I'm commuting in the morning um, and uh, spend that reading and listening to, uh, to podcasts relevant to the subject and then focus on one thing at a time uh, when I can. Always be, instead of improving on a lot of areas, I try to find, all right, this is something that I've, I would need. I would. I would know. I will need in the coming uh, weeks or months. One could be hiring, for instance, because you always think uh, hiring has got that sorted, but it's it's not that simple. Uh, so that's one of the things I do. That I focus on one area and I can like set up a strategy, take all the notes and everything I read up and collect it in one place, 
I'm a bit of a Google Docs junkie, so I tend to sort of throw everything in there. Uh, there are much neater ways than that, but that's what I that I do personally, and then make just sort of a, a real simple list of things that I should think about when doing this, performing this activity. Uh, because at least then you start compiling some sort of uh, not list, but you know, not reality, but more like some some baseline of how you go about these things before. And I think that's that's uh, helping me a lot uh, to do that. Perfect. And Maria? I guess for me is, um, I like to call myself curious. So um, I spend, or I try to, let's start from the beginning. When it comes to working within product or within uh, leadership, you tend to cover uh, different aspects of what it is to make a great product, a great strategy, a great project. Um, so I tend to actually use the people that I work with to learn things. Um, I like to see myself, the, the more understanding I have about uh, technology, about design, about code base, about marketing, sales, commercial, the better it is for me to develop, like deliver on the highest value and translate that value into something that basically sells and let's say saves lives or create impact. So uh, I, I do tend to find myself, uh, I don't know, going to my designer and sitting down with them and asking them how to click through different things on specific software that they do. So I know how to navigate it and ideally use it on my own one day. I do spend time with branding and asking them questions about why they specify specific type of words to use in specific type of, of slides. Um, so it's very much using the existing infrastructure or existing talent that you have internally to really kind of develop yourself. Um, I feel like for me, I, I do have a lot of areas that I'm really interested in and indirectly they do translate uh, or in some cases directly translate to my daily work. So it's very much about kind of using this ridiculously amazing talent that we all know it's uh, you, you can find in, in a lot of organizations and utilizing them to learn and develop yourself. So I, I think I try to mimic a lot of my team members, but also a lot of people that we have internally to to basically uh, learn myself uh, about different aspects of what it takes to be good at my job. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, the, something you said there kind of resonates with me a lot because I, I had the like on my list as well, like you know finding real use cases that will push you to learn something new or that will develop you in a certain direction, right? So, I want to become a better facilitator or something so that I can find the situations where I need to practice my facilitation skills so that I can, mm. you know, um, and and if that just happens to also be work or valuable for work, the better. Um, <clears throat> right. So finding the situations that will push you to acquire the skills that you want mm. to acquire. Exactly. Uh, and yeah. I, yeah, I exactly. It's putting yourself in those shoes and in that position where you want to basically shine 
uh, and trying it out. Mm. It's a bit like you would with a team member, right? Uh, we would have a plan for, uh, yes. for development. You can do that with yourself. It's just really easy to, or easy to forget to do that. But uh, yeah. really, yes. really good ideas. I actually sometimes I just block time on my calendar. Every Friday, yeah. I don't. I, I block off time so that I have time. Well, to do actual work or to not sit in meetings all day, but I can actually be part mm. of that book club or read that book or you know try out that new thing that I want wanted to try out because yeah. there will there will always be more meetings than you have time to yes. to, to spend on them so yeah. uh, it, things will fill up so I, I use that a lot actually to to just block off stuff so I will yeah. have that personal time something uh, yeah. you mentioned oh. oh sorry sorry Maria something you mentioned Oscar the this blocking the time we actually started doing this quite recently with or here at Cordy, but also in my previous role, um, we actually use focus time. So usually a morning, mm. a morning, uh, either all days of the week or specific days of the week is dedicated for focus time. Mm. And it's kind of what we call our meeting free time block. And I think this is actually, uh, this is what I've been using quite a lot to actually do the work that I have to do, but also to think a little bit outside the day-to-day -day tasks. So mm. think about where I want to be, where my team needs to be, what is our grand vision, and like planning a little bit ahead of time and thinking a little bit differently. This is yeah. the this is the time that I found uh, allocating specific hours within your day. It helps me a lot to to do yeah. this type of I thinking. Hundred percent agree. Yeah. I also think that to just acknowledge the fact that improving is also part of the work. Yeah. It's also part of the job. I, I tell my engineers that all the time, but sometimes I forget it for myself. <laughs> As in, it's very it's very easy to be tied up in doing the job so that you you know kind of forget that improving is also part of it. Mm. So I have to very remind true. myself. Yeah. But I also think it's that that sometimes we don't also give us ourselves credit that we actually are learning so much in ah, our daily life. Yes. So we make it into a bigger thing that it needs to be, because how the you know how the world is turning right now. It's so speedy and you know, uh, so it's 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 uh, it's another story to work with the, what we do now than if you turned 15 years ago. You know, it's, mm. we, yeah, it's oh, yeah. the pace Definitely. is so fast. Yeah. And it's also easy to focus, uh, I think, in this day and age in general, but as a leader in particular, that you focus on the problems and mistakes and issues uh, that arise because that's where you're needed. Yeah. So if, if I have like uh, 15 people and 14 are, are really doing well and, uh, and there's one person you struggle with and you're trying to help that person and it's not going well or there are like projects or assignments that are that are like falling behind for some reason, you really, oh, I should have done this better. I should have seen this coming. Uh, but yeah. you, maybe you have device a strategy that works for 90 to 95% of the time. And I mean, then you are on the right path. It just, if nobody reinforces that to you, it's really hard to see that you have developed an efficient strategy. So you have to do that yourself sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I agree. Um, Hans, I am a Google Doc chunky myself. I don't know if you guys have never noticed that everything I send will be on a Google Doc. Um, but I do a weekly reflection and I know I'm not a team lead, but maybe it fits into what Maria said. So every Friday mm. before I go home, I reflect on how the week's been, where I can improve what I thought went well. 
and then I do the same on a Monday. So everything that I said on Friday actually gets implemented into my week. Um, it's not like a, this is what's happened. Let's ignore it now. Um, but yeah, I like maybe. that. Per as a leader, you need it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that is our technical time up. Does anybody have any final thoughts? Anything they want to add before we say goodbye? uh no ju just a sincere thank you for all the great ideas i will definitely take this with me and you know i i've got a, a bunch of stuff to try out so i will definitely improve as a leader because of this so thank you for that likewise yeah, thank you everyone that's great maybe we should rebook this for this time next year and we can see if we have improved as leaders yeah. <laughs> that's a great idea yeah. see, what, see what's happened uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but perfect. Thank you for everyone for listening. Um, and again, thank you, Hans, Elizabeth, Maria and Oscar for your great thoughts. It's definitely given me something to think about. So I hope you've all learned at least one thing new. And thank you for sharing your ideas. Um, it's been a pleasure having you.